Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Uses Better podcast, powered by Hobbs. And hello and welcome to another edition of the Uses Better podcast. Um, today we are celebrating International Bidding Day, um, which is a relatively new thing, I believe. And I am delighted to say I am joined by Mike Reader. So, hi, Mike. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, it's not bad, not bad. You okay? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm joining yeah. you from the Dominican Republic. So, who said bid people can't have fun? Eh? I know we're doing an international bid podcast these days, so it's all um, it's all good. So, yeah, so for so transparency, the international bidding day is on the 29th of September. We are recording this a little bit early, but hey, um, it's all good fun, as they say. So, Mike, join and introduce yourself for those who don't know you. My name is Mike Reader. I am uh, Director of Work Winning at MACE. In MACE's consultancy business, we employ 5,000 people around the world. And I've got a team of about 55 now from Melbourne, Australia, through to Houston in Texas. And we do uh, work winning bid function for our global business. I um, have got about 15 years in the industry. I saw those APMP badges come on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and apparently, my membership is messed up. So I've only got five years' experience, which I'm sure isn't right. So I've not put my badge up. Um, but I have primarily worked in the construction and consultancy space. I worked for a architects and engineering firm, and now, as I said, I work for Mace. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got my badge, and I've got I think, about ten years or so. But I think I've got a lot more than that as well. So, cool. Right. So I think the, the prime reason why I want to talk about this today is just to do, I suppose, a bit of a recap and where the industry's come from. You know where we think it's going to go, and what's changed over the last sort of you know, twenty odd years. So, I, mean, I suppose, in bidding terms, the last sort of twenty twenty, probably since two thousand, I'd have thought, has been the growth of the bid industry. Would, would I be fair in saying that? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I I started bidding in two thousand and eight, and it has changed a lot in. The last 15 20 years mm. um i think there's obvious things that people talk about it's become more professional it's a genuine thing we're not just seen as the extension of the marketing team sorry to fergal who's also on the call with us doing the the clever background stuff you know we, we're not marketers we are an independent function that helps businesses to prosper and grow um but it's interesting actually i'm unfortunate to be on the apmp mentors program and I mentor people from across the industry and it's amazing still how in, in many industries bidding is still kind of a bolt-on to um the business rather than standalone function whereas Dave you and I predominantly work in businesses where bidding is a is a standalone service that's delivered and has competencies and capabilities and development and opportunity within it for people yeah I mean I, I suppose I mean from from my aspect my, I started getting involved in the bid world back in the in the 90s um which is a long time ago to be fair um and i remember when i first started it was in essence it was the secretaries in the office the engineers on site and whoever could do any sort of form of project management control taking the lead on it and i suppose when you look at the evolution of where we are now and you're right in what you're saying now we work in we work in teams well you work in a team i work for teams where they have these established processes. And when I look back about 
where that's come from it is eye-opening you know i suppose that the pace of it in some respects yeah i, I think a lot of this i think is driven by clients though i think clients have become a lot more mature in their ability to go to market over the past 15 years and so the core skills of bid bid teams of project management creativity um driving innovation keeping the team together creating you know virtual teams very quickly and delivering on results still remain the same but clients are a lot more clever in what they do to go out to market i remember when i started 15 years ago a a bid would be right we'll pull some case studies off the system we'll put some cds in that are standard off the system and there might be a couple of corporate answers that we answer and that's it and that'd be for a, i was working an architect's firm at the time it might be for a 50 million pound new college building whereas now the client's going to have, have us jumping through all sorts of hoops and asking us really complicated methodologies and i can't i hadn't actually decided yet whether i think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that we've got better at bidding and we have consultants like yourselves and others who help us be even better as a clients therefore feel like they have to up the standards of what they're asking for because it becomes a race a race to the top in terms of quality um and then we have that challenge of race to the bottom of price still in many, in many markets so there has been a big evolution in the past 15 years and i can see it continuing i know we'll talk about the future in a minute but there's some interesting um research by strategic proposals they've just published i've seen kind of early sites of it which we'll talk around in a minute but clients recognizing that quality scores are getting closer and closer and differentiating between bidders is becoming harder and harder yeah i mean i suppose you know back in the day i suppose it's a case of can you do the job give me a price fine you've got the job whereas now i think it's is it more about um because no being realistic most people who go into big projects could probably do the project so it's those fine details i suppose that are actually where you yeah. can make a difference i think what fear, fear of challenge is also a big thing so clients now mm. you know and there have been some big cases and obviously i work in major programs right in the construction space so whether it's HS2, whether it's major energy companies, there have been some, you know, central government, there's been some large challenges which cost a lot of money and clients have to make sure their tenders stand up. Um, there are armies of lawyers, there's armies of procurement consultants who help make sure clients are watertight. But that does mean the process has become a lot more uh, complex than perhaps mm. it was 15 years ago. Yeah. But I think that what, what hasn't changed is the need for bid teams to be creative and innovative and push boundaries on um exciting clients and making them love your product or love your service and i think sometimes we can lose that and i i, I've, I had our new graduates um with me last week we've, we've got two new bid graduates to join our cohort we've got four in the team now um and i said look bid process is great everyone talk about the mace bid process it's really strong it definitely gives us a strong rigor and governance and framework around how we go to market how we make sure quality is on point how we deal with commercials how we do all our legal requirements but you'll never win a bid by just following the bid process there has to be creativity and innovation and excitement in the bid that gets people to want to buy your service the bid process is just a process you know whether you follow shipley apmp we've got our own bespoke one that kind of merges a number of different models um Whatever, whatever process you follow actually it's the creativity piece that, that is that wins, wins the day and the excitement piece and clients you want clients to fall in love with what you're writing um or what you're producing and i think some people can forget that particularly now bids are so complicated you know we're doing a bid for the moment for global uh corporate real estate client i can't say who um 
and the tender has over 200 individual tender questions in it they are going to get you know the challenge is going to be they are going to get some relatively generic answers because in some cases you know with a six-week turnaround or four-week turnaround there's not enough time to pull the team together to pull that together so i think sometimes clients um they get what they what they buy so if they buy you know really complex procurement without a lot of time they, they probably are going to get lower quality bids than perhaps mm. if they thought about what the three or four things are really important to them and really drilled in on those in the tender yeah i mean i think that's that's an interesting point because i suppose it sort of touches on my my next sort of bit i want to jump into with which is um around the sort of the well-being aspect of teams because i mean you know i suppose there's been the watershed moment in my eyes i could be wrong you know people you know feel free to disagree with me on it was probably when the um the c word hit a few years back um which we don't talk about these days um, but i think before that it was you know there was this awakening starting whereas when we first started doing bidding it was like you're working you know every hour god sends you know you we used to go to the conference and it was like how many hours are you work this month and it's you no know, it, i think it was this badge of honor about working through the night and spending four days up doing a bid and all this sort of stuff and that i think there was a movement to change that probably mid 2015 2016 2017. um i think that hit a massive head when COVID hit and then people started working remotely um and then the emphasis really shifted i think then into actually we can't run these teams into the ground so touching on what you said previously then about the duration of time we get to do a bid and now you're looking at 200 questions in six weeks you look at it going like that's what do quick maths 30 odd a, a, a week you got to answer and you know granted some will be tick the box put across in that it's a one-word answer some will be half page responses or 400 words when you aggregate that all up you're going to get a huge number so yeah. i suppose there is this balance between what you can expect the team to adequately perform in the time that they've got and there's also making sure you're not burning people out yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if it was COVID. Uh, if we can say that word, Fergal, tell me off now, and then we'll get you'll get demonetized or something on some platform. Um, I don't know if it was it was that period that that really drove it. I think there was a movement on addressing it before that happened. But you, I think you're right. It brought it to the forefront and showed that we can work more uh, remotely and and through virtual teams. I have to. I have to be honest. I think we've gone too far the other way. I think. Um, what I'm struggling with with some of my team who have kind of, I guess, either come into bidding during the last five years or have matured from like coordinators into bid managers over the last five years is the ability to to realize they need to find another gear in that final week. And that's where mm. being together in the office and, um, and then this isn't the same for all industries. Let me just be clear on that. But um, for me, there, there is a thing missing and that we need to be, reinstall, reinstill back in our, bid managers is that ability to find that next gear when the bid comes and and there is a need to um step up in terms of presence and leadership and bringing the team together that perhaps you can't always achieve on teams mm. i i think we need to find a balance and i think in some cases we've probably gone too far the other way in in you know almost treating bidding like a nine to five job and, and i wish it was right i wish <laughs> it was a nine to five job yeah. You could log on nine o'clock, do your bid, and go home at five, 
and have a great work-life balance outside of it. You can still can have a work-life balance out, outside of bidding, but there is that final push to get your absolute quality. That's how you win the mega deals is that final push where you add the extra 10% sparkle on top of the great quality responses and commercial. Mm. And I think we have to make sure we don't lose that, that we don't become like the accountancy department, that we just do the same thing day in, day out. We follow the process and we pump out bids because that's where we lose our value and that's where we lose the the magic that we bring to a business. So I think well-being, it's important we do address well-being in the industry. Let me be clear on that. And I'm really fortunate that my team has had such an amazing turnaround when I when I brought them on. So they used to be in our group services. They came into our consultancy business where I where I sit in Nace, and they um, they had one of the lowest well-being scores in the business when they came over, and now they're one of the highest. And that's partly through to through um, implementing kind of systematic changes in the way they work, in the way that line management is done, and line management conversations, in the culture in the team, um, and also dealing with some of the underlying behavioral issues that were causing that that well-being thing but there has to be a time when we say look this isn't a normal job this is a this is a quite a unique industry we're working in bidding and we do need to find the ability to accelerate and decelerate our kind of workload depending on timelines so it's going to be interesting next few years i can see more companies pushing back to go to have more kind of you know the traditional bid war room having people in a room, particularly that last period. Um, and I can see so much value in that still. And despite you know, the modern ways of working these days. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's always a, an interesting subject that raises a huge amount of debate, the, the sort of the hybrid um, working and that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, I suppose it, it is about what works for people and what works for business and trying to get that balance quite right um i mean sort of my i mean it'd be interesting to understand that sort of like with your your graduates that you're bringing on you your people on your 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 schemes you know how do you manage them and make sure that they're doing the right thing are they hybrid or are they in the office they'll all be hybrid um yeah. everyone in the business works on a, you have a flexible working policy mm. and you can kind of work relatively flexibly as to how you want to work it's more about um where you work rather than when you work so we still have core hours when people have to mm. be online so we can't have people working deciding they want to work at night the, the, the so the, the new graduates are two weeks in so they have done two four weeks in the office just to get used to everything and now they'll go to probably three two three yeah. three in the office two at home um our, our existing graduate apprentice and the other graduate is just um graduated from our graduate program got a lot of graduates in a sentence isn't it and um, our existing graduate who's just left our program um they worked hybrid and that worked well but i think mm. there is definitely still a case that being in that team environment learning developing sharing in person is still a big part of how we develop people now is that the same for every business no but is that the culture of mason is that how in in the construction and consultancy world that is likely the best way that we help people develop is by personal contact mm -hmm. coaching being in the same environment asking questions rather than completely 100 remote in a way uh yeah that my strong view is yes this, there'll be other industries i'm sure people listen to this podcast screaming at it going no no 100 remote i've been remote for years and it works fine fine that works for you but in my industry and in my my business the culture definitely still is that there is a need to have face-to-face -face, uh working particularly in the bid world where a lot of the tricks that you learn 
along the way that make you a great bid manager you learn by being there and seeing them being done rather than learning it from a yeah. APMP body of knowledge or you know textbook those those textbooks don't have the the magic in them they they just set out the process and the procedures so I mean I suppose the other big same thing we've seen over the last sort of 15 years or so is technology um, and how that impacts on what we do and how we use technology to actually you know make it more efficient make it uh, documents easy to accessible what we're giving to the client is a high level so I suppose you know when I first started working it was word documents or it might have been works at that time when I started showing the age um, that we basically printed out in black and white on letterhead of pages and then set them in and it was you know there wasn't you know it was very very I suppose in them days it was very very much uh, this is what we're going to do there's no benefit there was no um, you know wind themes or stuff like that in it. and I think that's that's progressed and I think technology has been an enabler of that and obviously we saw this start off with um, the the sort of the, the big library sites like Covidian and um, a few of those back in the day. Um, right up to now where we've got fully fledged team sites and you know, working areas and this sort of stuff. Where do you sort of see the, the big advantages that have come on the back of that? So I, I don't think technology has accelerated bidding in a dramatic way i think we've kind of moved with the times of general office tech improvement so sharepoint sites collaboration tools um you know the functionality in microsoft word people getting used to using things like indesign for graphic design and, and publishing um there isn't i don't think bidding has kind of been an outlier in terms of it just benefited from the general evolution mm. of it teams or on google meet now aren't we um that's definitely helped but i don't think bidding is necessarily seen like a technology revolution specific to our industry um i'm gonna i'm not gonna say the word because i'm fed up of hearing every single consultant telling me it's the future but the the um uh well i might as well say it. artificial intelligence ai whatever it, whatever actually you're talking about we talk about ai i think will change our industry not because it will change the process of what we do but it will change the creation of content I think yeah. that's going to be the interesting thing. There are some in, there are some kind of quite innovative startups like Autogen AI, who I saw sponsoring APMP's UK conference, um, who are very specifically in the space doing something quite unique. And a lot of the existing big players, the Lupios, the RFPOs, I mean, we're a Chorus Docs user, they're looking at it. I'm sure there are others are as well. And, and I have to say, shout out to Chorus, fantastic products. Um, everyone's talking about this AI and what on earth it's going to be. So I, I think that's going to be the big step change for us is the content creation and development process will dramatically change in the next few years. And I think we could move away from um, some of the things we do in the past. I think one of the limiters, though, to us using technology is clients. Yeah. So I, one of my team, uh, my head of design is currently on maternity leave. We brought in a uh, a temporary person who uh, you'll know Dave because um, hmm. you've worked closely with him but he's, come from the outside, he's come from outside of the world of bidding he's never done bids before he's never done he's been in kind of graphic design uh, design agency stuff for years designing primarily kind of retail POS stuff and all this kind of interesting great stuff it's fascinating interviewing him hearing all the products that I knew he'd had an involvement in the design <laughs> of um, 
but I think he's found it quite shocking about how limited clients have made it in terms of us, you know, using technology. So using digital tools like videos, animations, interactive sites. At, you know, you go and bid to a, a client who's as a highly innovative, let's say like this corporate real estate client to the moment, we're still providing essentially published documents just online, you know, A4 documents in a word count, in a page count, set out magazine style and actually we haven't really in really innovated as an industry at all in that space and i think we need clients to loosen the reins for us to be truly innovative in using some of the great technologies that are out there immersive technologies microsites you know almost like lead your own adventure i'd love to do a bid which is kind of almost like a lead your own adventure kind of bid where you know rather than a page one to ten there's just a story the client can go through and they can explore what they like and 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 uh, explore the proposal um rather than a kind of page three is all about this page four is all about that yeah so I, I think the combination of those kind of new tools and then maybe even ai when the client you, you can teach the you know, through, through nlp you could teach an ai to perhaps answer simple questions or clarify things for you and the client speaking to you i hope we can go there my feel is that procurement rules particularly in my space in the construct, construction and consultancy space will limit our ability to leverage some of those tools long term yeah, I mean, I, I always sort of um, joke around by saying that, you know, procuring companies effectively rather than, you know, living into authorities or council areas or, you know, bodies, um, they probably haven't rewritten the rules on how you present a bid probably for 15 years. I mean, it's, I mean I've only got to go back sort of two years, three years. So when I, I actually saw a tender that was still some stipulating they wanted aerial 12 and double space line to, to facilitate photocopying it's like that doesn't happen anymore um so i i think but i think yeah. it is one of these things where it's not high on people's agendas procurement is like any other and procurement is like any other industry particularly the public sector uh there is a skill shortage uh, there is a time shortage of people that are left in the industry and actually they cut corners and they reuse tenders. And I know mm. major clients in my industry who cut and paste previous tenders into new tenders, particularly frameworks and the framework renewals. And part of our framework renewal process is to such like war games, the previous bid, because mm. we kind of, you know, people are, oh, we, you know, we haven't seen the questions yet, but we, I can tell you, gut feel 50, 50, 50, 50 <laughs> likely the questions are going to be the same. Yeah. They might have updated the context a bit, but the questions are still going to be set out your team and why your team's the right team for us. Set out your experience to X, Y, and Z, whatever these kind of client hot buttons are. Give us an example of doing this in a particular context. You know, those those standard questions that the client used four years ago, they're probably going to, they're probably going to use again. So, and you're right, it probably is shaped in part by procurement consultants who have a standard way of working. They go and tell the clients how to do it. It's proven, so they go fear of the challenge again. It's a proven approach. They don't have to worry about it. They don't have to think about it too much, and they just pump this stuff out. And I think um, that, in the combination with procurement lawyers, definitely stifles uh, our industry. Yeah, because I mean, it is sort of um, interesting. So, like, you know, demonstrate innovation, but put on an A4 bit of paper in 400 words about how you're going to do this. And it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we've done microsites for people. Where we've had a bid as a site and you know we gave that to a client or my our, our client gave it to their client um and they were like going this is amazing because i think what that gives you is the ability to access um the bid the documents anywhere now you're not tied to, to a laptop you're not tied to a printout copy 
Now you can have it on your mobile phone and view the, the tender response. Um, and then these this day and age of sort of information being at your fingertips, mm. I suppose in some respects, you know, taking those shackles off about how we present um, a bid, mm. how we articulate it, how we navigate our way through it, is would be really interesting. But then the flip side to that is how do you make how do you make sure it's the same for the four bidders you've got on that process? Because yeah, exactly. you can guarantee now that if you were bidding against somebody somebody else, the chances are you're probably more technically advanced than what they are in this arena. So they are immediate disadvantage because what they're producing isn't as shiny and bright, for one of a better phrase. Exactly, exactly. And there's there's always a fear from procurement teams that they're buying the bid consultants rather than buying the actual company. So you've mm -hmm. got to be mindful of if you're a relatively um traditional company on your website is quite traditional and then all of a sudden this this showy out of the blue bid comes out that's a microsite then probably they've had a consultant come and do it for them and is that true representation of the company mm. um I, I mean we're doing some stuff now which i won't talk about in the podcast for obvious reasons but to, to push the boundaries on that and we're finding um little hacks to get around procurement rules on digital so um for all my competitors out there um yeah we're, we're doing that but um <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm probably more bullish than most on doing that sort of thing, and I, my my fellow kind of colleague directors in the business who eventually are the accountable owners for these bids, right? The business unit directors are a bit more nervous about it, but we're slipping in all sorts of things, and actually they're working so far. Yeah. So um, um, we'll get caught eventually, I'm sure. I'll get disqualified from a bid in the next year, but I, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm accepting of that. I'm accepting that it, we're going to have the boundaries to move the quality gap between us and others further and there might be a, a casualty bid along the way where we push it too far but some of the, the research from strategic proposals that is coming out later this summer i think or maybe in the autumn i've seen an advanced copy is that clients feel that the quality gap across bidders is closing everyone's very similar and they're worried things like ai will close that gap even more and they're also worried that they get bid consultant bids rather than the true bid of the business and the and the difference between the uh, and i've heard this from my clients the difference between the quality of the bid and what's said in the bid and then the quality of delivery is a concern to them you know mm -hmm. and actually we're now looking at we've developed a process um that we have which is all about how do we move that bid thinking into delivery so rather than just chucking the bid over the fence on mobilization we have a specific process in mace now for major programs which which prior to awards it's a uh, a speculative investment of 12 weeks that on a major program we know will be more successful if we do this process which transitions all the things not just technical but design thinking and and creativity and and how we've kind of come about the proposition making sure that's embedded from day one because because what we found particularly on major programs you know we're talking like major new cities in the saudi or rail programs in canada um is that once the project starts because generally procurement human processes are delayed you know who can yeah. tell me a client who's actually hit their own deadlines at the moment um, we hit the ground running and we're kind of we're losing from day one we're behind from day one and so all the great stuff we said in the bid gets lost because everyone's just trying to get the basics set up so we have we have a process now which which my team 50 50 owns with a business unit that's responsible for the project that mobilizes slowly to make sure that all that great stuff that we said in the bid is not lost Mm. Um, and that, that's a, that's something that is it's landing really well with clients. 
Yeah, I can imagine that sort of. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's I suppose it's, you know it's a common sense idea, I suppose, in some respects. Um, and that's you know it is an investment. You know, it, I suppose that was what a lot of the bidding functions come down to is investment. Um, it is because you now let's be brutally honest about it. Bidding's not a cheap game to play. Um, so you know when you've got to, you know when you think you sort of. Right, we've got a really good chance of winning this. Let's actually allocate some time, which costs money, to merge your team to get us a game plan going forward. Now that is a little bit of a risk, I suppose, but actually one that you then don't get penalised for when you start. I suppose I suppose that's the the easy way of looking at it, or me putting it in terms of I understand anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think bidding is expensive, but you've got to be certain you're going to win before you commit. And I think yeah. it becomes expensive when you bid stuff that you can't win. Um, yeah, and that's a that's a primary failing of most businesses um, mm. is that they bid stuff they sh they can't win or shouldn't win because they want to, rather than can they win it, they want to win it or they want yeah. to do the job and they decide to bid it and they burn loads of money and don't win and then feel very sorry for themselves. Yeah, so I, I think I think it, I think you know, bid consultant one hundred and one, go no go process still is the fundamental. <laughs> always is always is make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and the fact that you've got a good chance of winning that i suppose is the, the key takeaways from it so we, we we spoke about um the people side of it we spoke about the liberal evolution we spoke a lot about tech what's the one thing that you think's had the biggest change over the last sort of 20 odd years if you had to say like that that was the one moment or that was the one thing that came on that had the biggest impact on the industry what would you say it was putting you on the spot completely yeah no i i i don't think there is a, a single thing i think there's a few things that have changed the industry the, the rise of bid consultants which i think is a great thing because it's made me better made our business better but it has it has probably created a gap between those who can afford it and those who can't and so i think i think that has made a big difference i think the professionalism of the industry and now i think unfortunately i i think we've stalled on that and i think we perhaps need a professional body who's looking at standards and and the like and maybe the bsi standard will help to die, to drive that but yeah. i think professionalism and um and for me professionalism is different to having a corporate entity that's a that is that is representing people um and i think in in public sector where a lot of my work is in the uk um just procurement regs you know mm. the, the change the procurement regs in 2015 the, the kind of the growth of people recognizing they can get around long arduous og processes throughout the eu now but og processes um through frameworks made a massive change to our industry um and so i think those those primary three things from a uk perspective definitely uh have made a big difference i think globally the big thing that has changed is the is that people have become mobile so the yeah. best practice from uk or america we're now seeing in countries or uh, regions where there wasn't a lot of procurement best practice before um and and the world is starting to move towards a common way of buying which is quite at least kind of you know western facing world right from asia through to america's those companies that work with western businesses um we're seeing the majority of the world now having coming to a, along a corporate standard i think sips uh Chartered institute, institute of procurement and supply have have been a part of that they've got a big global presence um and i think they have done a lot to improve the consistency of procurement practices globally so we're seeing 
more I would call the Western style procurements across the world now, where you have an SQ, it's a proper SQ asking proper questions to shortlist down, and then a tender, which is uh, forward-looking, you know, methodology-based. Mm. That's that's we're seeing that around the world now. Brilliant. So the flip side to that, again, putting you on the spot. What's the one thing in Biggin that irks you? If you could change one thing in Biggin, what would it be? Oh, I I don't know actually. I I don't think there is one thing I would change. I would like that. Um, oh, it's a good question, Dave. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to answer it diplomatically because the answer I want to give you probably I would, wouldn't go down very well with my employer. <laughs> Yeah, let's um, try not get you sacked on a podcast. Um. No, 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 I, I would like there to be. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of businesses that still don't recognise the value of the bid team they have. Yeah. And having done my mentoring, that definitely is the case. They're still seen as part of, particularly businesses that have a sales function and a bid team that sits behind the sales function, i.e., like tech or products. I think the bid team is very undervalued. And I think if there's one thing I'd change, I think we need more advocates for. The standalone role of bidding in those in, in those sectors. The, the APMP, for example, is still dominated, I think, by people from my industries. You know, uh, construction consultancy, yeah, um, property and defence. If you look at, I haven't seen the shortlist this year, but the shortlist of last year. You know, it's the it's primarily big consultancy firms and perhaps sort of telecoms are in there as well. But there's mm. predominantly firms from a certain industries that kind of. Are at the forefront of being involved with the APMP and being involved in that sort of stuff, and that sort of worries me that there is a whole gap of industry that isn't as professionalised as we are, and we need to do something to help them. Yeah, I think that's a, a solid answer to that. So, um, um, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose the only, only couple left really what I want to talk to you about is that we sort of touched on earlier with looking back and, and looking at what's happening now. Where do you think what what's the sort of the big change is going to come? I mean, we mentioned AI before, but apart from the AI side of it, what else do you think is going to? Where's the industry going to go? There is definitely a uh, there's a lot of competition with talent. I'm interviewing at the moment for a number of roles, and the variance in competence at the same grade at the same salary is quite substantial. Hmm. And so, I think we will see great people becoming very in high demand and i think there yeah. are people who are average who or below average who will stagnate the businesses they're in and so i think um the, the kind of war on talent or talent shortages in our industry will continue to be exasperated because great people who can do what we do now in the kind of hybrid world are are getting few and far between um yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of dross in the industry i think <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not commenting on that one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, obviously, the way we change that is what you're doing with your apprentices. It's, it's to bring the next generation of people in. I suppose it's to, you know, look at people that go into university and say this is a, a career for you. I think so, partly. And I say just very quickly, if, if you've got a friend of mine who's saying uh, there's dross in our industry, that probably is you. So um, be careful what you say in the comments. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the next big thing for our, for our industry and something that I'm exploring now in my head, if nothing else, is how do we bring great people into bidding who have got 10, 15 years experience in another sector? Mm, so, awesome. you know, Alex is a prime example. He's been in my, my head of interim head of design. He has been in 
creative functions all his life brings so many great ideas he's like absolutely full of energy loves it um but had we not taken that plunge and employed him we probably still would have looked for someone who'd been in the bidding industry to, to be tammy's yeah. maternity placement and so i think there's something about how do we um bring people from outside of industry into bidding uh, another example and you all know him in, in my team obi um, yeah, yeah. who is one of our senior managers he's an ex-royal marine you know he's been in, in the military for a long time happened to fall into bidding when he was in australia but actually all the skills he's had from his military career have made him creative builds great teams he's detail focused he's great at process he's great under pressure we just had to teach him that final bit on the bid process and bidding how mace bids um and 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 the challenge is martin smith published something i think not long ago that said that more than ever people are asking for their bid managers or their recruitment to be sector specific mm. so not only are we look at people who've done bidding for 10 years but we look at people who've done bidding for 10 years in the construction consultancy space and understand it and we're still doing that right because we don't yet have the mechanisms and tools and processes and ways of bringing people from outside of industry outside of our, our sort of our, our industry into bidding and i think i look at it at mace you know we've got five thousand people in our consultancy business loads of them are great project managers loads of them are great creative people we could be having people moving into bidding who've mm. been at mace for 10 years or five years or 15 years um but at the moment we haven't got the process to, to if you like sheep dip them in bidding um so i, I think actually that next big big thing for developing careers graduates and apprentices are important and that you know unfortunate that i was on the trailblazer for the graduate sorry the, the bidding apprentice what six seven eight years ago mm. um and i've had a bid apprentice in and she's been fantastic we've got graduates coming through but i think the next step is how do we bring in mature talent into our industry and i think that's something we're missing that's a really good shout to be fair um so i'm gonna wind this up by saying what's your question to the um the people that are listening to this now, what's the question you would pose to them to answer in only comments or chats but they can get in touch with you direct i i would be interested to hear people's views on um ai because it is yeah. the big industry topic at the moment uh i i think the, the, my question would be you know do you believe the hype <laughs> do, do, you, do you believe that this is the the game-changing Thing that's going to transform industry, or is it that it's the next marketing hype that everyone jumped upon? Yeah. The next Terminator um, series coming up, I believe. Um, <laughs> to hark back to a previous podcast. Um, brilliant. Well, that's your question, folks. Get, get, get in touch with Mike and give him the answers. So um, I think we're about at time. Um, Mike, it's been a pleasure. It always is a pleasure chatting to you about this topic. and been in general um you are a wealth of knowledge uh, yeah that goes without saying so um you have my thanks for doing this and then um yeah thanks very much everyone enjoy your holiday i will do i'm going for breakfast <laughs> okay, good all right cheers guys